0: Welcome back, my beautiful people. Donk City, January 25th, 2021. Episode number 44, the Obama edition. I know you guys have been excited to have us back. We look a little different. We're back on Zoom. We had a little technical difficulties with Facebook, which we're uh, fixing. But this is a jam-packed show. Lots of move happened since we were on last on. Rob, how you doing, baby Vince? How you doing? What's going on?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, it has been a, a crazy two weeks. We picked a four two weeks to go without... <laughs> Having a show as things just kind of exploded after that first week, um, I am back. I was not sure how I was going to do the show, but it turns out that I'm healing pretty quickly from LASIK, so... Uh, yeah, I was, I, was,
0: I was hoping you'd come on with the Stevie Wonder glasses, man.
1: I, you know, as of last night, that was the plan. I looked today and I was like, you know what, from most angles, you can't tell that I have a, I, a hemorrhaged eye, so <laughs> here I am. Nah, man, uh-huh.
0: you should have come on the show. You should have you just did the whole show, just, you know, head bobbing and shit.
1: It was cool, man. They were limited edition Yankees Oakleys from 2012 <laughs> yeah. I was going to use. Definitely Dong City appropriate. Yeah, but uh, here I am. You can try and find which eye has the hemorrhage. But um, yeah, 2015 vision now, so I can see things even clearer than I used to. Great. Yeah. It's, yeah better than <laughs> More arguing. Yeah, a lot better than the uh, 2500 I was rocking before the surgery. So here we are. Uh, it is a, a very jam-packed show. We haven't had an itinerary like this in a while. And the nice thing is when putting the rundown together, it's not many topics. It's just a lot in, in the topic. So we can jump right into it. We'll start with the sad, but we are going to eventually get into some MLB updates as far as the, 21, the 2021 season most of the show is going to be talking about the hot stove and it has been a very 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 hot stove um, that we're gonna bring you a lot of different yeah. takes on and it has affected most of MLB so if you are a baseball fan which I would hope you are watching the show, we're probably talking about your team today um, even Pirates fans we will, you will get mentioned in this in this show so even Royals uh, yeah yep Royals are in there too yeah wow. small market big market doesn't wow. matter. So uh, so here we go. Let's start with kind of the more somber news. Uh, we start with Don Sutton passed away earlier uh, in the last two weeks. So Sutton, of course, yet another legend. It was sort of the show before. Now it's Sutton today. Yeah, uh, I'm not liking how we're starting end.
0: these shows with these deaths. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like it at all.
1: No, well, you're really not going to like this. Because in addition to Don Sutton passing away, I think probably the biggest titan in a long time. Hank Aaron um very very sad he has also passed away, lived a good life, uh, lived a long life but um but he's passed away I mean you're talking top five player ever
0: The Hank Aaron one hit me really hard. Um, you know we we talk about trout and we start throwing around that goat word you know when you talk about greatest of all time you you talk about you know um, Ruth you start talking about the absolute legends and you know, the one guy that could stake a real claim to the GOAT status, you know, the challenge route is Hank Aaron. Um, that man was was just a giant um, on and off the field. He actually broke Babe Ruth's home run record um, in 1974. He ended up with 750 career, 755 career home runs. Um, some of the other MLB record he owns is MLB career leader in RBIs with two thousand two hundred and ninety. Most extra base hits with 1477 total base hits with total base, excuse me, with sixty eight fifty six for a power slugger. That's impressive. And he played in 25 all-star games. Um, World Series champion in 1954, NL MVP in 1957, batting champion in 56, 59, NL home run leader in 57, 63, 66 and 67 without ever hitting 50 home runs in a single season. Led the league in RBIs in 57, 60, 63, and 66. And for shits and giggles, won a gold glove 59, 50, uh, 60, and 58. Um, was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2020, or 20, 2002, sorry, by uh, George W. Bush. First player to ever reach 500 home runs, 3,000 hits. Never struck out 100 times in a season. Third player in baseball history after Ken Williams and Willie Mays to have at least 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases in a single season. finished in top 10 in uh, MLB voting 13 times in his career. Finished with a career batting average of .305. Um, Has his own award named after him. In 1999, MLB established the Hank Aaron Award, which goes to the best hitters. 20 straight season with at least 20 home runs. Eight 40 home run seasons. And for shits and giggles, he could have signed with the uh, Giants and paired with Willie Mays but he took an offer for the Braves for so a slightly higher offer so there you have it someone who can honestly say he is the challenger to the GOAT man to Hank Aaron we lost an absolute legend a Mount Rushmore figurehead in the sport
1: that's it that's the show we, we just used up our entire allotment uh, I,
0: I had planned to just read off a couple of those things man but it goes I, on and on I, I, I could not I could not just pick a couple this man was larger than life um what he meant to to black athletes what he meant to to everyone he was just a giant um and and this is a huge 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 loss to not just the baseball world but just our real life world so
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, as Chris pointed out in the comments, and uh, and I was prepared to say, he did all of that while battling racism. <laughs> so, I mean, like serious, serious racism. I think there is an article on The Athletic um, the day he passed away about how I think he had received like 2,000 letters the year he broke the home, the all-time home run record, and most of them were not very pleasant. Yeah. Um, so, Which, for
0: the record, most people do consider him still the home run king.
1: Yeah. And I think there's totally a, a very fair stake to that claim. Um, if nothing else, just the fact you can play at that level for 25 plus years at the highest level that's offered on the planet, you know, for what you're doing, it, it's he really just had an unbelievable career. I don't, we will never see a career like that ever again. We may see numbers similar to that one day, but we will never see a career where you can pencil this guy in. For what he did every single season for how long he did it. It's just never going to happen again.
0: The fact that he never hit 50 home runs is just mind-boggling when you look at the total that he ended with. You, he never once hit 50 home runs. You look at guys that, you know, pad their stats and they hit 50 and 60. He never hit 50. He was just yep. ridiculous.
1: He was Barry Bonds pre-steroids mixed with the contact of Tony Gwynn, <laughs> mixed with the longevity of Derek Jeter. Like, you just – you take any – combination of heroes you want and put them and into one person you get Hank
0: and the grace of jackie robinson
1: yeah yeah absolutely so definitely going to miss hank aaron um just you know it, it, it's a tough loss for mlb they that generation unfortunately that generation and the one under it you know they're starting to go and yeah. that's sad because in the way baseball structured historically that's like the golden era, you know, so we we're going to lose more and more of those guys. This one certainly hurts the most. Um,
0: I put a, a post up in baseball life uh, of all the players we've lost just in 2000 and 2020, 2020, and 2021. And it was just a who's who of hall of famers. And, and just, you know, when you see the names, you're like, wow, you know, we lost this many legends in such a short time. It's, you know, this COVID stuff ain't nothing to play with people.
1: Yeah. Very sad. So looking back now, looking forward, MLB, uh, we we have some MLB news, actually a few different things, one of which is that Arizona, the state of Arizona, requested a longer timeline between now and spring training due to the pandemic. Uh, MLB (laughs) promptly said no, they're starting on time in about three weeks here. So that got squashed.
0: And that's important because half of the training sites are in Arizona.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's like 14 teams impacted there. Um, MLBPA rejects the notion of... Now, this this is actually a very important story if you're an MLB fan. I'll tell you why. It's not because of what you're thinking. MLBPA rejected expanded playoff and universal DH for 2021. That was an offer from the owners. Um, When you looked at the story, when it came out, that was essentially all you saw. That was the headline. If you read, which I read earlier in this week, there is a lawyer interview on MLB trade rumors. Um, I don't know if you've read this, Henry. It's a it's a really insightful interview. He's not an MLB collective bargaining lawyer, but he is a in general a collective bargaining lawyer. And he was interviewed by Tim Dirks, the owner of MLB trade rumors. Um, basically asking kind of abstract questions about what to expect from this upcoming labor negotiation. We have talked about this a lot in the past year, and we're going to have to continue talking about it probably through the rest of the season at some point, but some eye-opening stuff. One of the things he said was pay attention to how the very basic aspects of the 2021 season are handled between the players and the owners. It's a good indication of what that relationship looks like. If they take something like universal DH, for example, or expanded playoffs, which is something that really benefits both parties, and they still reject it, that gives you an idea as to how terrible the relationship is between owners and players. That's exactly what we're seeing with this news, because this is news that on on paper, MLB players want a universal DH, it gives them more jobs, and they want the expanded playoff, it gives them more money. But they rejected it anyway because of two reasons. One is that this is a media battle. Um, you saw it with the way John Heyman came out with the tweet. He's an MLB shill. Mm-hmm. He's going to work on behalf of the owners. Now, they were going to say MLB PEA rejects this. The initial reaction from fans is going to be, why would they do this? They just don't want to play. They're greedy. They're arrogant. They make too much money. They're the reason that we're going to go on strike. And that's not what it was. Because later in the day, we found out, that there were strings attached to this. They wanted um, some concessions out of it, just like any negotiation works. And that's what you're seeing here. So this was the first example of it. It tells us we have a terrible relationship between players and owners, which we already knew, but this confirms. And it also tells us the media battle is alive and well from the owners. They're gonna be doing this throughout this off season and especially next off season, just wait for it to happen.
0: I mean, I expected this. You expected this. And, and this is exactly what's going to They're playing dirty politics with the media. And if you remember, going back to last year, going back to the year before that, and during our last show, I said, Tony Clark was not equipped to handle this. Yep. And I don't think he's the right man for the job. I think the players are going to get jerked here somewhere. These owners are playing chess, and the players are playing checkers, and their owners have been one step ahead every negotiation since Tony Clark has taken the helm. So I don't expect any less here. Like you said, this is all about negotiating and, and you know, and bargaining chips and that's what this all is. And everyone's jumping to headlines because that's what sells and that's what people jump in. And we're very, uh, you know, react quickly society right now. We only look at headlines. Nobody wants to see the actual body of work. So I don't see this going well for the players. Ultimately we will have the DH in both leagues It's just a matter of what's it going to cost the players to have it.
1: The players won't let this sort of thing happen unless, and vice versa. They're not going to let even simple things go unless there's a concession attached to it. That's what MLB tried to do here. I don't actually remember what the concessions were. One of it was a pitch clock and robot umps, which I remember. I don't know necessarily how that impacts players negatively, but they were seemed to be against it.
0: Yeah. Um, I read somewhere um, something interesting where, owners were trying to get the pay for DHs significantly lowered since they only play one side of the ball.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. so I mean, That's starting it's, to make more sense.
0: Like, like I said, chess, not checkers.
1: Yeah. And by the way, MLB being adamant about the season starting on time is nothing more <laughs> than wanting to make sure this is a full season so players lose leverage. That's it. So you go 2 and they're going to spend
0: it as a good favor, but that's what it is about money.
1: Right. You go two seasons in a row with the players not being able to get paid their full amount. It's just a stronger, stronger argument, and they don't want that. They want this to be an, as normal a season as it can be, regardless of logic and, and health. And then they want to go to the negotiating table. And uh, and like I said, you know, I've said this since last year, we're going to get a strike. If it's not a strike, it's going to be a work stoppage. It just matters who initiates what. But we will not have opening day 2022 when we're expecting it. I am 100% positive on that.
0: I mean, we're going to – look, you see the NFL. They're playing with some fans. I think, yeah, what, 12,000 fans at one of the games yesterday?
1: Yeah, I think they just expanded Um, some.
0: So the the owners want as much revenue as as humanly possible. If it's concessions, if it's, you know, seats – parking lot, whatever, wherever, whatever dollar they can get together, they're going to do it. So they're going to want to look like the good guys and say, hey, we want to play a full season. But at the end of the day, it's all about the mighty dollar.
1: Yeah, for sure. Welcome, AJ. AJ joins us just in time. We are going to get into the more fun parts of this show. Uh, so we, we talked about, uh, you know, we said farewell. We talked about MLB and MLBPA matters. Now let's get into the hot stove. Um, and it has been a very hot stove, as I said in the beginning of the show. How we're going to break it down because we're going to cover so much is by division. So we will start with the NL East. Now, these are just moves in the last two weeks. This isn't the entire offseason, but Henry and I will basically talk about the moves per team in the last two weeks. I broke it down mostly by major league signings. There's a couple of notable minor one, minor league ones. I just going to say how that impacts the team, maybe how it impacts the division outlook. Uh, And we start with the NL East, and we start with our new best friends, the New York Mets, who last show, it was almost entirely about them, because that's when the Francisco Lindor trade had broken down. Mets back in the news. Minor deal, they gain Jose Martinez. Wait, 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 wait. We can't,
0: we can't start the Mets without talking about Dick Gate.
1: We're getting, yeah, that's in here. Oh, look. (laughs) it's worded from my rundown. We uh we gain Jose Martinez and Joey Lucchesi. we lose Jared Porter for his dick. I actually wrote that in the rundown. Yeah. And then they also traded Andy Rodriguez. That was the prospect in the in the three-team deal where uh where they got Lucchesi. So
0: yeah, the only thing that stands out there is Dick Gate 2021. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: So here's the big news that I did bury. <laughs> Jared Porter, their GM. Much like their manager, who was manager for like seven seconds in Carlos Beltran before he got fired, Jared Porter's their GM. I mean, these guys just don't do background checks, I guess. Porter, dick pics, reporter. You can't do that anymore. (laughs) <laughs> no, not in 2021. <laughs> so he Jared gets Porter fired. Of City <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I, as much as Dong City may make you think we support things like that, that is just not the case here. Uh, Jared Porter gets fired for sending out dick pics to, uh, Look, to a reporter a few years ago. It hits the surface now.
0: I'm, I'm not going to slam sending out dick pics if that's your thing. What I will slam is sending out dick pics after sixty-three unanswered messages from this woman who clearly wanted nothing to do with any of his advances. Um, I, I just, dude, you gotta be. You, that just speaks to his, you know, decision-making authority. Like, I'm sorry. And then you have the potential cover-up with the the Cubs employee. You know, th- then you have, you know, him basically blackballing this woman. And then you have Sandy, which I think I told you guys in the private chat, all the media outlets were going out of their way not to say where she was from. And Sandy Alderson, look, this guy has done everything right, but it was a major fuck up. He let it out where she was from. So it's only a matter of time before a good reporter tracks her down, says, okay, let's see the press credentials from that time. Who's no longer in baseball? They're going to track this poor woman down and they're going to haunt her. And that's that's the sad part of this for me, that I think Sandy Alderson really screwed up by letting, you know, the origin of the country out in his press conference. But I do think the Mets are better equipped to handle this loss than they were, you know, the Beltran issue last year. You know, Sandy himself can be the GM. He's probably the de facto GM anyway. You know, I don't think the Mets lose anything here. If anything, they probably lost what could have been a potential star in the front office going forward.
1: Well, I yeah, I mean, look, it, it comes from the top. So and we're not talking about dick pics now. Uh, it comes from the top. Mets have a new owner who seems very competent. He's already made some very competent decisions. So yes. they are, by definition, better equipped to lose their GM. Now, as far as whether yeah, they're equipped. Yeah, <laughs> this was something that was known in baseball circles. I can tell you that when you're making a hiring decision as large as a general manager would be for a team, they're asking around the industry. I have zero, zero doubt the Mets probably knew, at least had heard murmurs that this might be the case with Jared Porter. Um, it is also It is obviously up to the Cubs. They should have taken action when they did. They didn't. But the Mets knew about this. I can tell you that just from a professional HR standpoint, I guarantee you someone in that organization within the Mets knew this was the case. They chose not to act on it. Porter ends up getting fired anyway. And yes, this poor woman, much like Jen Sturger behind her with the Brett Favre scandal, is going to be haunted by this for a long time, unfortunately. That's kind of the ugly side of this entire thing.
0: I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to give the Mets the benefit of the doubt. I don't think... Sandy were, would be foolish enough to hire this guy, knowing that this could potentially be lingering out there. He I don't think Steve, I don't think Steve Cohen is foolish enough to hire this guy. The last thing they want is any scandal around this team with the excitement that's around them. I, I think if they had any hint of this, they wouldn't have hired him.
1: I don't think so. I mean, it may not be those two at the top. Um, someone within that that hiring crew. It, this is something that w- is going to be known. I mean, those circles are not that big. It's just like the Astros scandal. It's just something that you know is going on.
0: It's not that big, huh?
1: <laughs> no, not in Jared Porter's case. So,
0: so, or maybe, maybe you know, maybe they said, you know. Like heads of tail, we'll measure it. If it's if it's five or less, you know yeah. he's he's got the job. If it's you know five five and a half or more, he's, he's fired. You know
1: they uh yeah <laughs> oh so moving on there. So Mets <laughs> lose their GM, they gain Jose Martinez, they gain another starter. This kind of rounds out their rotation, which is nice. Andy Rodriguez, uh, middling prospect. Nothing really lost there. Um, the Jose I-
0: Martinez thing uh, baffles me. I don't get it. Um, for the Mets, I get it. I mean, he's a you know potentially potent bat. I just don't get it from Martinez's standpoint. It's a one million dollar invite to, to training camp. I I don't.
1: Yeah, without don't a, a clear it. spot. I mean, I know how they can shoot better him, than him that. into at bats, but but you're there.
0: better than that. They don't have anywhere to hit him. Even yeah. if they have the universe of DH, they have Dom Smith who's hitting better than Pete Alonso. I I just I didn't get that move. You know, maybe. He looks good and they add him to the roster and trade him later. But I was surprised uh, Jose Martinez didn't think a little more of himself with that deal.
1: Yeah, I am surprised from Martinez and from the Mets end. I had read right before they ended up signing him that at this point, they're looking at organizational depth which makes sense. The Mets have a pretty good 25-man roster at this point. They don't have a ton of guys who can come up and contribute as this season goes on. And you need those guys, Jose Martinez, if he accepts a minor league deal Um, or if there's a spring training injury. Fits the bill. So I get it from that standpoint. To your standpoint, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I mean, like, the Rays wouldn't take him back or a team that could use any sort of power in the AL wouldn't – or not power, but can use another hitter in the AL wouldn't take him back. The Blue Jays losing out on Brantley. Jose Martinez –
0: The Cubs, you you put out any team that's looking to fill out the – you know, fill out their roster for cheap offense, I mean.
1: Yeah. Uh, So that's a little surprising. Mets now, hey – Carrasco, they kind of lucked with Stroman. He accepts the qualifying offer. They got Carrasco. They add Lucchesi. Uh Syndergaard's going to make his way back at some point. That rotation set um, offense. They're in these Chris Bryant rumors. Apparently, them and the Blue Jays once again going at it. They seem to just they're go at it and then not end up with either guy.
0: They're in the uh, you know the Bauer rumors, and I I think if you if Bauer goes on that team. They'll leapfrog the Braves, in my opinion.
1: Well, so let's talk about that a little more in depth because the Braves are one of the two teams that did not make a move in the NL East. And in my mind, if I'm a Braves fan, and thank God I'm not, but if I'm a Braves fan, you're starting to push the panic button a little bit, right? Like they got hot out of the gate. They, uh, I think, signed Will Smith to a multi-year deal. They signed Bruce Smiley for that $11 million deal on one year which at the time looked great um now it looks like a giant overpay but your your rotation right now if you're the Braves got I mean, yeah. yeah, Freed, Charlie Morton, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson and Drew Smiley. Smiley's not the healthiest guy in the world. Soroka was hurt last year and Charlie Morton's like a hundred years old Ian Anderson is obviously a stud, but this dude just pitched deep into October last year. Uh, That's not a really great rotation.
0: I'm shocked shocked they haven't added arms to that depth. I think, uh, you know, a guy like Paxton or one of those guys, maybe a Tanaka, you know, one of those guys will probably end up there.
1: Yeah, now the offense is fine. It looks like they're going to go with Pachi in uh, center field. I, uh, Riley has DH. I mean, they, they, the offense I think is fine. I don't think they need to add a bat, although I still maintain they can improve a little, they can get, they probably use another outfielder. Um, but the yeah. bullpen's not deeper than it usually is. It's a, it's a thin pitching staff and that was cool last year. It's not as cool when you have the Mets adding two bona fide starters. Yeah.
0: And the Braves also have expectations. They didn't have expectations before. Now fans want to know what are we doing? We're, we're going for it. They look good last year. The Mets are making improvements. The Braves are kind of just, you know, standing pat saying we're good enough the way we are.
1: Yeah. Now, like could said- they add Ozuna back? Probably. They're probably waiting for him to be a one-year deal. And with this no. universal DH thing not happening, that becomes a little more realistic. This is also what the Braves do, is they wait till guys have no market and then they sign them for pennies on the dollar. So maybe that's coming, but right now. I'm not that comfortable from Braves fans seeing what the Mets did and seeing what the Nationals did because let's get to the Nationals here.
0: I I still have the Mets. I mean, the the Braves number one right now, but it's definitely uh,
1: that gap's closing by the day. Jerry Porter style. Big time um, for Jerry (laughs) Porter style. So the Nationals now they signed John Lester. They signed Ryan Zimmerman to a one year deal, and most recently, as of yesterday, they bring in Brad Hand. So they've kind of addressed each of their needs, which was getting a bat, getting a reliever, getting a starter. I don't love John Lester at this stage of his career, but he fills out a rotation and that's what they were looking for. They've got Ross and Lester at the end of that rotation. Um, obviously the big three Scherzer, Strasburg and Corbin in the front end, Annabelle Sanchez no longer there. So I guess Lester's filling that spot, which in the, in those terms, that's fine. That's a, that's a good deal. Um, Josh Bell was a move earlier in the year, so Zimmerman kind of the backup to him. That's nice depth there. You've got a nice lefty-righty combo there, too.
0: Not to mention they picked up Schwarber.
1: Yep, they've got Schwarber. They've got um, Carter Kaboom. I expect to take a step forward. I mean, Nationals are one of those teams. Like, one year, they're not good. They don't make the playoffs. The next year, they... They might win the division, so I I wouldn't. I'm not that low on the Nationals coming out of last year, and I think they've made enough moves here now where things get interesting. Rainey's a fireballer out of the bullpen. Daniel Hudson's back there with Will Harris. Those guys are reliable. You mentioned Schwarber. Um, it's a pretty formidable roster if you're the Nationals. I think they're going to be in the mix with the Mets and Braves this year, uh, assuming Strasbourg and Scherzer can stay healthy, which I've got my own thoughts on that. I think that gets riskier as the years go on, just as they get older and, and throw more bullets. Um, but a big reason for 2020 for the Nats, I think was they won the World Series the year before. They pitched deep into October. We know that almost never works out in recent memory. Nope. We're a year removed from that now. So we'll see if those guys are healthy, if they are expected to be a three-team race up there. And then you've got this kind of team that's in perpetual purgatory, the Phillies. They did make a move. They signed Archie Bradley. Um, We both had Liam Hendricks in the preseason going there. Bradley's basically the same thing, just a cheaper version. So I'm glad uh, they made this
0: move because I was starting to second guess if they realized that free agency actually started.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's another team. By the way, I know that the pandemic happened, but that affects every team. The Phillies, what did they do with that Mike Trout money? Because remember when the whole thing was they are going to sign Bryce Harper and Mike Trout? Yep. And now they're just eating that money, I guess, because I, I don't know. Well, what
0: They lost a billion dollars. Remember, according to that? That's family. right. They, they are the
1: team that lost a billion dollars. No one else did. Just them.
0: You know, they, they gave that money to Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, they didn't give it to Didi Gregorius.
1: Yeah, like Zach Wheeler. <laughs> He's the only guy I think who's been signed any sort of money. And now Bradley for like five million bucks. Yeah. Um, I Again, Phillies, Phillies are
0: to sign their own guys. Nola uh, Velasquez. I don't. They
1: locked up Nola to like a Severino type deal. That's not big money. I mean, I guess if you combined Wheeler and Nola, you get Trout. But they were gonna have to do that anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but Phillies to me are a clear fourth in that division right now, which is kind of sad because it's not really a bad roster. I think the NL is just really, really good right now.
0: Yeah, the Phillies aren't doing anything. They're just like I said, they don't I don't think they knew free agency was starting. They're not doing jack shit. The Mets are making moves. You know, the Nats are making little moves here and there to improve their ball club. The Braves are, you know, they were already the, the king of the division and then here's the Phillies saying, "Oh yeah, let's let's play ball." I, I don't get it. They still need a shortstop. They still need pitching. They still need, you know, they need a lot of things and I don't see where they're going to get it.
1: I don't either. Yeah. Not, not with the pieces that are left. Um, they don't strike me as particularly deep in the farm where they're going to go trading guys. Uh, to, or Joe you know, Girardi. Yeah, yeah. Gir- Girardi's got. Girardi should have <laughs> took that Mets job, man. <laughs> yeah, it's looking bad now.
0: Should have took that Mets job.
1: Mets Mets rising, rising to the top in that division. So
0: I let you, you ma- imagine you put Girardi managing the Mets.
1: He's got he's got all the pieces he needs over there now. I I mean that's a
0: he's got a bullpen to abuse. He's got you know he's got everything he needs there. Girardi would have been good on the Mets.
1: The Mets at this point are simply a you need to now put up the wins, right? They're that team that's rebuilt. I think they're competitive. I think they can compete in the NL. Um, They are not the first or second best team in the league, but right behind that is kind of anyone's game behind the Dodgers and Padres. And, uh, and they're right there. And now they, they just have to act as a team.
0: They did everything they had to do. They checked every box. They needed an owner. They needed a superstar. They needed a shortstop. They needed a catcher. They fit, they checked every box that they needed to check this offseason.
1: Yep. And they've put themselves in the financial position where they can they can pick and choose who they want to kind of lock up here. That's, I mean, they're right where they want to be as a franchise. Yep. No getting around it. Now they just have to win as a team. And
0: um, they're one of the few teams that, actually you know fans can be excited surrounding their team a lot of other teams are kind of like doom and gloom they're pissed off yankee fans are pissed they think we're penny pinching you know phillies are losing three billion dollars everyone's pissed off but if you're a white Sox fan if you're a dodgers fan if you're a padres fan if you're a mets fan you're loving this you're absolutely loving this
1: it feels like the upswing yeah you know um so (laughs) Speaking of things that don't feel like the upswing, let's get to the NL Central here. Uh, I mean, this is like, if the Mets are battling to go up, the NL Central is a battle to fall to the ground. Um, we've been trashing on them here on Dong City since before the playoffs started last year. And then they promptly didn't win a single playoff series. So that's a win for me. Um, now let's get to the NL Central. Wait,
0: wait, wait. Did, if I'm not mistaken, did no one reach 500 in that division last year?
1: NL Central, I think the Cubs finished above 500. Did they? Okay. Yeah, but only because they started like 16-4, and and then they were below 500 the rest of the year, and it was only 60 games. So maybe by the end of that year, we might be talking to the NL Central like they were the NFC East this year and just a total pile of vomit. Um, And this is how you know, by the way, that their offseason's vomit. (laughs) In the last two weeks, these are the moves. Cardinals, nothing. The Reds, nothing. The Brewers, nothing. Here's your moves in the last two weeks if you're the NL Central. The Pirates got a slew of prospects by losing Joe Musgrove. Uh, And of those prospects, most of them are teenagers. We'll get to that when we talk about the AL East. and, And then the negotiating skills of Ben Carrington over in Pittsburgh. And then the Cubs, who both these teams, by the way, are in a rebuild. They're the only ones making moves. Yeah. The Cubs sign Austin Romine, former Yankee catcher to a one-year deal, and Shelby and Miller to a minor league deal.
0: Shelby Miller.
1: <laughs> yeah. 30-year-old, by the way, not 47 like you want to think, because he's Shelby Miller. He's only 30 still, and he's not getting major league contracts anymore.
0: Cardinals great Shelby Miller.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what a mess. I mean, this division is such a mess. And no one wants to claim it. <laughs> like no one the Cubs are still not spending money, even though they've reset the cap.
0: It'll be the Cardinals by default.
1: Yeah. So that's like the story of the Cardinals franchise is that like by default, it's the Cardinals because everyone else is so incompetent. Brewers, I think their their lines probably run out. I mean, if they make another run with just the thing they do with their pitching staff and their beer league offense, I just I can't see it happening a third year in a row.
0: Did you see Manny's comment? Manny said that Ben Roethlisberger's salary is projected to be higher than the entire Pittsburgh Pirates uh, team payroll.
1: Yeah. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. The Pirates are pathetic. Thank you, by the way. But the Pirates are pathetic. And I was getting a little emotional earlier in the week because I was thinking about how cool the Pirates' history is.
0: Wait, wait. We got some breaking news, uh, which... If you've been listening to me, I've been saying the Mets have signed Omar Maniah to be an ambassador.
1: Oh, here we go.
0: I mean, look,
1: that was a guy they should have kept to begin with. Trying to compete in that Dominican market with the Yankees. That's the only place the Yankees go, is the Dominican.
0: Listen to me. Omar Minaya can do one thing, and that's scout talent. hmm
1: So one perceived very kind, too. Just, He's very I just good. You saw it now. Yeah. Just saw it. Oh, uh, Yankees are in trouble in the Dominican. So they might have to look into Cuba. We know, we, we know it ain't Cuba. <laughs> they might have to start looking into Cuba or America. The
0: White Sox, the White Sox have have Cuba cornered. You know.
1: Yeah, that's big trouble. Omar Minaya is back in, in Flushing. Vince, is that a bomb? No. <laughs> is that a Giants bomb? That is a Giants penny jar.
0: That is a bong. Get the fuck
1: out of
0: here.
1: <laughs> I'm hoping it's a bong. That's a bong, dude. This is, there's nothing in it. <laughs> you yeah, can tell exactly. me any place, things I save.
0: I wonder why there's nothing in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, 21-inch bottle bank. There you go. Again, this episode brought to you by Jared Porter. There you go. It's um, a bong. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it can be. I've seen it. Uh, well, see, there's the slot, too. So, keep it closer over here. Um, so that's the NL Central, which, by the way, I think every GM in the NL could use that right now. It's, it's a, that'd be the most useful gift for them.
0: Omar and Naya talk is better than NL Central talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's more important than all of those moves. Let's move to the NL West. The NL West has been the division i think this offseason in the nl and really all of baseball and uh and they didn't stop and the padres didn't stop they've been the biggest headliners they acquired joe musgrove in the aforementioned pirates deal again they give up next to nothing to get him. um and they also i, I actually didn't double check on this jerks and profar is that official three-year yeah. deal of the Padres? Yeah. okay so they did they acquired jerks and profar and they lose Joey Lucchesi uh, in that three-team deal with the Mets. So basically that deal, so you guys know, Padres get Musgrove, Mets get Lucchesi. The Pirates got like four prospects in the deal. Um, separately, the Padres signed so I mean, what more can you say about the Padres? Them and the Yankees, and we'll get to the Yankees later, are doing something that I predicted once I started seeing the Padres signing all of these players, and that is that I firmly believe they are building two pitching staffs for this season, yep. uh, one that's going to get you through the first few months and one that's going to get you through the, next few, the last few months. And those guys from the first few months are probably going to mend into the bullpen for October um, to make up for a, a thin or just injured or tired bullpen or whatever the case is. We've seen that method work, Henry, the last few years. The Dodgers used starters in their bullpen last year. The Nationals did it the year before. The Red Sox did it the year before that. I mean, this is the new thing. And I think that the Padres know, like every other team should know, no one's hitting their inning limits this year because we didn't have a season last year except for 60 games. So you need those 8, 9, 10 starters now more than ever. And I think the Padres know that. And at this point, they're just stockpiling arms.
0: I also think – uh We're going to end up saying, I think the future of baseball is six-man rotations. I think that will be the absolute future of baseball. It's not going to be the, let me get you through my rotation twice guy and then stack the bullpen. I think you're going to ultimately start seeing six-man rotations throughout the game.
1: I like that theory. And I also, uh, my theory has always been that I think you'll see, three-man rotations. What I mean is not that they're going to pitch every three days. It's that you're going to see like three sets of four pitchers kind of in like a unit, kind of like Aaron Boone does where he has like his A squad and his B squad. You're going to have an ABC squad and those are going to be the arms available each night uh, on their designated days, but some variation of it. It could be that it could be six-man rotations. You're just going to see a world in the future where no one's going more than three to four innings um regardless like your ace is going to be the guy that can get through a lineup a second time not the guy that can get through the lineup the third or fourth time which is the standard now um and really the fourth time is not the standard now either and it's yeah. usually not the third either but yeah i i totally agree with you i think that's the slow evolution you're seeing the dodgers kind of kick-starting that um and now the padres have darvish and snell and lamed and paddock and musgrove
0: they got everybody
1: yeah, <laughs> a, that list just keeps going. Um, I mean, the Padres are ready to go. You know, is it enough to, to overcome the Dodgers? We'll find out. But they've done everything that they can possibly do to try. That's all you ask for. And Dodgers, no moves last two weeks. They don't have a whole lot they need to do. But the Giants are in the news. San Francisco Giants. Signing Alex Wood to a one-year deal—that was the guy I thought would be James Paxton. Um, I didn't first predict Paxton there, but kind of as time evolved and I saw what the market looked like, I thought Paxton would be a good fit in San Francisco. Uh, I like
0: the Wood deal for both of them.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it could still happen, but Alex Wood was that that hole that got filled. So uh, Wood a one-year deal with the Giants—they're not going anywhere. But you know, it's nice to eat some innings in a year where you know you don't want to touch. Giants have a a decent farm system forming there. Um, Wood kind of going to eat some innings, nothing more there. Diamondbacks signed Chris Stevensky to a minor league deal. The only reason I highlighted this is how fast has that man's career fallen?
0: Yeah, I don't get that deal. I don't like it, but I like to make fun of him, so –
1: Chris Tavinsky in 2017. You remember when him and Chad Green? I think they both broke out the same year out of the bullpen. They were like that multi-inning like god reliever. Yep. Green's still there. He had a, he's you know he's had a rough year here and there. But Tavinsky signing a minor league deal. I mean that was only four years ago. Shows you the volatile aspect of relievers. But man, that took me for a loop that he can't even get a major league deal this winter.
0: A lot of people are doing that. Like I said, it goes back to the Jose Martinez. There's a few people who have taken deals where they they're not even guaranteed roster spots. They're just spring training invitees.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like teams are capitalizing on the uh, players' nervousness. Guys in their, you know, late 30s or so. So
1: yeah. Um, so that's those are your NL your NL updates. We move over to the AL here. AL West. We'll start with staying over in the West. Wait, um, wait, yes. They
0: Finally, signed the picture. They got a Monty, picture. The,
1: the rally monkeys off the backs. If you're the angels, angel. signed the picture, Vince. Who did they sign? Jose Quintana. Which, by the way, <laughs> the best part about this signing for me is that <laughs> what's up, Rob? What's you want to Robert? say something?
0: I I can feel a a pronunciation lesson coming from Henry right now.
1: (laughs) Quintana, Quintana, Quintana. Quintana. Um, What what cracks me up about this deal is he is the poster boy to me of when everything started going wrong for the Cubs. Like when they made that trade, I was like, "You're going in warp speed way too fast if you're the Cubs. You just won the World Series. You don't need to go all in with the rest of your farm system in 2017." You have enough talent there to compete. Uh, You know, be financially responsible, keep the pipeline going because you have a great farm system. And Quintana was the start of them doing the exact opposite and just getting like two or three more players and riding it out. And we saw what happened. It's exactly what I thought would happen. Cubs fans still don't think it happened. Whatever. Angels now sign him. And this is like, again, exactly what they don't need. (laughs) To sign him, I mean they signed a the starter. God bless him, and he'll lead some innings. And I'm sure you know he won't be abysmal. But the Angels have needed a front end guy for years, and this they is what needed they a front
0: end guy. You know, a middle and a middle guy. They needed a back end guy. Let me tell you this story because this is how I found out about the Jose Quintana deal. I got in my car at the garage at work. Right, I put my phone mount on the phone, and I see the alert from the Athletic. Andrew signs starting pitcher, but it didn't fill up the screen, so you know you have to go. I like, "Oh shit, they finally made a move." I swipe up, phone unlocks. I see Jose Quintana. I could not stop laughing for like two fucking minutes.
1: It's so, so classic. Like,
0: that's that's who they sign.
1: Yeah, and it it makes me kind of shit on the uh, Kurt Suzuki signing. I love Kurt Suzuki. I think he's one of the most underrated for what he is catchers in baseball. But it's just like they went to the bargain bin and like what are you if you're the angels like Suzuki and Quintana are not going to be there when they're good again
0: and it kills me because that offense is deadly it's not even good it's, it's deadly
1: right and it's Trout's prime you've got like the pieces are there Rendon to, to build around it yeah you signed Randon to all this money Otani you presume is at least going to be healthy as a hitter and or pitcher
0: Give Pujols something to retire, man. Just, just give him something.
1: Pujols and Upton's salaries are coming up in the next year or two, so it's not, you know, it's not like you can't make long-term investments. And Trevor Bauer just continues to sit out there.
0: That was my prediction, but they are not making me uh, look good here.
1: Mm-hmm. Not yet. And just wait until my prediction comes right with Bauer. The Dodgers sign him as a big "f you" to the Padres to end the winter, because I still yeah. think that's coming. Um. But anyway, so so yeah, so Quintana and Suzuki and the Angels, hey, they're on the board. There were 14 teams that didn't make our list. So at least in the last two weeks, they're on the board. It's just I don't understand what that franchise is about or what they're doing. Um, and then the Astros, hmm, ship slowly sinking, but they wanted Michael Brantley to be a part of it. Um, hey, God bless the Astros for this. They took Brantley away from the Blue Jays. <laughs> Makes the Blue Jays not as good as people thought they would be. Brantley goes there two, two years, $32 million. Um,
0: I hate this deal even more after today.
1: <laughs> why is that? Because of the Gardner rumors? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll the get speed up the
0: capital that. to get them if they wanted them.
1: Right. Brantley fits a need in New York. Uh, the 232, we'll talk about that in a second. But, yeah, so the Astros go and they they bring Brantley back. That offense should still be potent. We saw what it could do in the playoffs last year. Um, they lose Springer, but they keep Brantley. And, uh, and and they also signed Jason Castro, which fine, whatever. Um, problem with the Astros is... I've always liked
0: th- Jason Castro. What's that? I've always liked Jason Castro. Yeah, I don't, he's I don't mind. He's always pretty. one of the most underrated catchers around.
1: He fits into that Kurt Suzuki yeah. mold. These are guys who get the job done, and they never get credit for it. Um, the Astros' problem is going to be their pitching... Unless guys like Valdez can just take like three steps forward. Um, You're not getting Verlander back this year. Granke is yet another year older. And both of their contracts are up after this season. So Mm -hmm. Astros, I don't think are dead yet. But I fully expect a rebuild of some sort next year. Uh, Next year being 2022. Of course, in typical Astros fashion, we'll probably have a strike. They won't have to get punished at all for anything. Even when it comes to rebuilding. But they bring Brantley back. Takes him away from the Blue Jays we will going to get to the AL East in a second. Let's go to the AL Central here. White Sox get on the board. Yeah, and, and Correa and I think Osuna too, Rob, are, uh, are also up for the Astros. So they've got a lot of free agency coming up here. AL Central, the White Sox. They signed Liam Hendricks. They also signed – is that Cespedes' brother? That is
0: Cespedes' brother, who was yeah. the number one international prospect last year.
1: And also the 700th Cuban that the White Sox have signed to their franchise. Uh, I think he won like a car for being 700th, winning the sweepstakes, possibly. So um, yeah, so they sign him, organizational depth, but yeah, big time prospect. And then of course they also do the signing for Hendricks. And I know Henry, you got super excited about this deal as the accountant that you are. So why don't you take us through it?
0: I got excited about this deal because I think it's the future of manipulating the tax. That's what we are about as a country is tax avoidance. And the White Sox are setting a trend here. They basically sign him to a four-year contract, and they have a buyout on the fourth year. The buyout is the exact amount of the option. Nothing he still gets the same guaranteed money, but the buyout is spread over deferred years and doesn't count against the luxury tax threshold.
1: So in the, in the fourth year.
0: In the fourth year. So right. it's it's actually just brilliant. The way they put this together and you're going to see a lot of it a lot of teams are going to jump on this players are going to do it but they're going to want the buyout it, see the, the way the players counteract counteract this is they'll say if you're going to give me a buyout for the same amount make my buyout number bigger mm-hmm. make it worth me so that if, if i'm getting that deferred money i'm getting more money over a longer period of time so instead of a 15 million dollar buyout in this case give me 17 give me 18 but yeah. you're gonna see a lot of this, this this type of structuring coming around, and creative accounting has been around longer than we've been alive. So nothing new here except uh, the smart people running shit again.
1: Leave it to Ricky's team to um, find the best way to circumvent the salary cap. It's uh,
0: beautiful. I love it. It love is
1: it. no, it, it, this I is like what complete. the White Sox do. They you know they're very very good with their finances. They're very savvy with signing players long term. This is what you know when you're a mid market team and you have fans who bitch about big market teams and all the advantages they have, look at what the White Sox do. <laughs> because this is how you do it. Like, there's a way to do it. You just have to do it a different way. And that's what the White Sox are doing. Um, they the in their guys so- up. Go ahead.
0: I said there's several ways of skinning cats. The old adage. Yeah.
1: White Sox will sit here, and they're not going to have the pressure to compete every single year for the next decade like a team like the Yankees will. They're going to occasionally get probably a top 10 pick here and there. They're going to lock up their superstars for pennies on the dollar by doing it day one, something that the Yankees would never ever be able to do with their players or won't try. And they're going to compete and, you know, add to it a a savvy front office with good eye for talent. And this is what you have with the white Sox. They have Lance Lynn, Giolito over there, Dallas Keuchel, Cease, Kopik. um, and now they add Hendricks to the bullpen to be the closer. And they've got some intriguing arms already in that bullpen. You've got, you know, column a left. That's what Hendricks is replacing. But you've still got Bummer back there. Um, they've got that guy with the funny name who I can't remember at the moment. <laughs> Evan Marshall's there. They've got that flamethrower. Um, Matt Foster's there. Jay Spry's there. I mean, they've got a lot of arms back there that I think can emerge. White Sox, in my mind, should easily win the Central this year um as far as how far they go in the playoffs kind of remains to be seen only because last year i think they were really starting to collapse i don't know that they were a 90 to 100 win team last year if you had a full season i think they started hot. they were probably more around 500 and now they might be a 90 a 90 plus win team
0: robert went from batman to bruce wayne in september
1: yeah they completely fell off. And with reason, I mean, they were, there were a lot of guys kind of overproducing over there in those first couple months. months. Um, but the pitching staff did get better. They have their closer. They're doing the right things. Andrew Vaughn, intriguing Ricky, prospect to watch for. A Ricky, gave us the name.
0: Ricky gave us the name is Gary Crochet.
1: Thank you. Crochet. Yeah. I, can't, I mean, that guy's Tommy John under three years from now, but until then enjoy him throwing like 300 miles per hour.
0: It's funny because to me, you have the two teams right now on paper that lead the AL have to be the Yankees and the White Sox.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. And Everything and-
0: about them is the exact opposite. The Yankees are boring, corporate, the White Sox are fun, they're loving, they're ethnic, the Yankees are white, you know. This is <laughs> the a Yankees throwback. Things, yeah, the Yankees do things by the book you know, the White Sox are finding new creative ways to do things. So it's, yeah, these two teams are couldn't be any more opposite. And those are the two teams that are, you know, leading the AL going into the season.
1: I don't know how much Little League World Series you ever watch, but the the comparison I'll give is that the White Sox were the Jackie Robinson team that year from, I think they were from inner city Chicago. Actually, they just like dong the shit out of everyone. <laughs> they didn't win the Little League World Series, but they were like, immensely enjoyable to watch. That's what the White Sox are.
0: They were the, they were the Josh Hamilton in the home run derby. They were the yeah. story. They weren't the winners, but they were the story.
1: Yeah, they are the flash. Um, Royals, the very opposite of that. They signed Wayne Davis to a minor league deal, though, which uh, Wayne Davis is from the Chris Devensky School of Careers, I guess.
0: Talk about how the mighty have fallen. So Hendricks actually breaks Wade Davis's AAV record for relief pitchers. And Wade Davis signs a minor league deal. Go figure that
1: one out. With the Royals.
0: With the Royals, the team he started with. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, look, like I said, the mighty have fallen. My man was, uh, he didn't want to take deals. He was being stubborn when he hit the free agent market. And his career is just absolutely tanked.
1: Yeah, he's falling off. He's, he's got Kenny Powers to him now. Look, uh-huh.
0: Brad Hand and all you other relievers, your careers are short. Your paydays are short. Get the money you can while you can get it.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Until baseball realizes that you have to pay relief pitches properly. Until then, get your
1: money. Which segues perfectly into a guy who has just been stealing money for years now. And that is the Twins Mm -hmm. making the news. They signed Jay Happ. This is just the most Twins move of all time. They signed Jay Happ for their rotation one-year deal. Jay haps like 64 years old. What are your thoughts that on was, this?
0: I absolutely love this deal. You are crazy. I love this deal because this guarantees that the Twins will lose to the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs via sweep.
1: That was already that's guaranteed. It, it,
0: <laughs> that
1: was, that was, the, the Twins could have signed Mike Trout and, uh, and Trevor Bauer, and they still would lose to the Yankees in the first round.
0: I, that's it. And I'm Jay Hap. Fuck him. He acted like a little bitch at the end of the, his term with the Yankees. So,
1: by the way, this is just the funniest. I mean, if you need to just have a laugh, you're having a bad day. Please go check the Twins' depth chart for their rotation. It is the most motley Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios, Jay Hap, Michael Pineda, and Randy Dobnak. It's just you couldn't find like even just picturing them in a room having a conversation is hilarious to me because they just make no sense. It's great. Uh, <laughs> and the twins will probably still come in second. And then like they're not even a terrible team. It's just they're so funny how they go about things. And yeah, I'm not I'm buying the twins that. this year. What's that?
0: I'm not buying the twins this year.
1: I mean, that offense is still that offense. So they lost Rosario.
0: You have Maeda going from the NNO to the A-O. You have Jose Berrios, who I love because he's Puerto Rican and he, you know, pitched great in the world baseball classic, but what is he? Yeah. He's this big arm who's had this high ceiling, but how long can we talk about that high the ceiling? The reputation
1: of an ace who pitches like a three. You
0: you gotta you gotta meet that high ceiling. And this kid has all the stuff. He has everything you want in an ace, and he just doesn't put it together. He's 26 years old already. He's been in the league long enough. You, you gotta get your shit together.
1: Yep. Uh, Alex Kirillov, also a guy to kind of watch, Rookie of the Year. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his, but knowing that he's on the Twins, he'll probably have 40 home runs anyway. Yeah.
0: Jose Berrio's already pissed 116 career games. Like, come on.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. He at has, that point, he you, you, you point stop
0: looking at the ceiling and you say you are who you are.
1: Right. Completely agree. Uh, so those are your central moves. Now we move to the AL East, which a- could take the next three hours. Yeah. Um, Let's go. I'm going to go reverse of the rundown because I think it's obvious where we should finish the show. Uh, first, we'll go with the Red Sox. Now, the Red Sox. <laughs> the Red Sox kind of fit that Angels mold. Like, they're clearly not going to compete for the division and probably not a wild card spot either unless you have, like, another eight-team playoff. But they sign Garrett Richards and they do it for $10 million a year, which – I mean, that's just a little absurd. And then they bring back Martin Perez for a one-year deal. Now, the one deal I did like, Henry, and I could already foresee him having one series against the Yankees where he hits like 400 and hits three home runs, Kike uh, Hernandez, they signed to a two-year deal, fills their second base hole, which yeah, I like he, that deal.
0: He's usually the, guy that, the type of guy that kills you. The problem with Kike is he's not a starter. He's a platoon guy.
1: Right. And I think they may use him as a starter. It's kinda it, it, Red Sox still don't have a lot of depth. Now they do have three top one hundred prospects, so the farm system's coming along a little bit. It worries me that Bobby Dahlbeck's one of them, and it also worries me that one of the other ones is a pitcher because the Red Sox do not produce pitchers. Yeah. Um and enough. Dahlbeck has a major hole in his, his swing in my mind.
0: Dude, their ace is projected to be Nate Evaldi.
1: Come right. Their rotation right now is Evaldi, who is perpetually injured and will almost certainly have an innings count. Eduardo Rodriguez, who had major heart problems last year and had COVID. Martin Perez, who was awful. Tanner Houck, who kind of had like a breakout year in a small sample size, which at least worries me, would not surprise me if he was not that good. Um, he's not a major heralded prospect. I'm not just trying to hate on them. And, and just, Garrett Richards.
0: Their fifth start of $15 million.
1: Yeah. And and Chris Sale will be back at some point. Um, I wouldn't expect him in the May. Well, knowing Sale and his freak body, he'll probably be in there in like early May, but probably yeah. realistically not until June.
0: If I'm the Red Sox, I'm like, take your time. Don't even waste it.
1: Yeah, I, I like why? Uh, I mean, they're paying him a lot, but their second base, yeah, Kike Hernandez. They got Christian Arroyo, kind of just organizational fodder. Michael Chavez has to play somewhere, so he'll probably get some time at second. Uh, he'll probably split time with Dahlbeck at first. Devers and Bogarts, they're still there. Ben and Tendy, that trade hasn't happened. They, like, swore it was going to happen. It just hasn't.
0: Well, I think and, they're waiting for the outfielders to stop moving in free agency.
1: Probably. And then Verdugo uh, out there with uh, Hunter Renfro was one of their pickups earlier in the year. And then uh, uh today... This connects also. They, uh, they obtain Adam and Take on his money, most of it. Thank you. So they sign two starters. They sign a position player. They sign a reliever. On paper, they're checking all the boxes. But uh, let me just say this. If the Red Sox have another embarrassing season, if they, say, lose 90-plus games, Keim Bloom is on the hot seat. <laughs> I mean, Dombrowski, say what you will. He won the World Series, and then he torched that franchise. But Bloom hasn't really shown enough to me where I'm like, I feel really good about our future.
0: Well, not to mention you got rid of your, your franchise player in the last 20 years.
1: Yeah, very unpopular, but I totally agreed with it. I just don't know. I don't know what anyone was expecting, but I think you had to move bets.
0: I think it was the way Mookie you know, portrayed them like, yeah, fuck yeah, y'all. y'all don't treat me the right way. It was something about the way Mookie showed that they treated him that, you know, just everyone knew that they were bullshitting.
1: Yeah, they didn't handle it from a PR standpoint very well at all. Um, But at the end of the day, in a vacuum, treating him made all the sense in the world, knowing the direction the Red Sox were going. The problem with the Red Sox is I don't – these move – I don't know. They haven't – that farm still doesn't scare me, I guess, and maybe that happens with a couple more trades, but –
0: Mookie was in that 2011 draft, which Rob sent us a photo of doing producer shit. And that 2011 MLB draft, Joe, you know, just to, to name a few players in that draft that got drafted Garrett Cole, Bauer, Rendon, Lindor, Bias, Springer, uh, Jose Fernandez, Sonny Gray, Joe Panic, Milton Bradley Jr. Jesus Christ, there's a name. Michael Former, Trevor Story, Blake Snell. Josh Bell Vogelbach McCann Betts, Trina Lestella and Davinsky all in that 2011 draft.
1: Oh, wow. sucks to be Milton Bradley, huh? Seriously, <laughs> my goodness. Um, but anyway, so those are their moves. Uh, you know, it again, it, it fills out the paper. The Blue Jays they signed George Springer, 31 year old George Springer, six years, 150 million. Uh, that he's on a, a different list, and it's not a very favorable one of players who signed for, I think, over $100 million after the age of 31. Almost none of them actually pan out well. We'll see about Springer. I'm not a big Springer guy to begin with, not just because he went to the Blue Jays, not just because he was on the Astros. I just don't love his peripherals that that much. Um, I like
0: him depending on where he was going. You put him on the Mets, and I like him a lot more than you put him on the Blue Jays.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, by the way, Ricky had pointed out, Cor is back, this is the thing about Cora, and I said this to a guy who has not been in the group now for over a year, uh, who eventually got kicked out. But Joey, or Joey Cora, Alex Cora in 2018 had literally every single possible thing a manager can have go right for him. Yep. Everything. Everyone stayed healthy. Everyone had a career year. He, it reminded me actually a lot, just to again, show you I'm not hating. Joe Tori yeah, we in had those his 90s. Yes, Joe Torre could push any button. You want Hall of Famer Wade Boggs to pinch it? You want Cecil Fielder to pinch it? You want Daryl Strawberry to pinch it? Okay, I'll choose any of them, and they'll all hit a game-winning home run. Cora had that going for him in 2018, and everyone just made him seem like a prodigy, which I I have no doubt he's a good coach. Yeah, he
0: is. He's a very, very good manager, and, and he is everything they say he is. But, yeah, that year, man. That's the year they had all those comebacks. They broke the record for like the yes. most comebacks. I think one yeah. game they were down by 11 runs and came back in one.
1: Yeah, they'd be down like five runs in the seventh. They'd win that game, and everyone knew they were going to win that game. Uh, now, there's not to completely shit on Cora. My point with this is that I told the person then, wait until Cora has to manage a normally run team, the one that actually runs into some sort of adversity, and that's what happened in 2019. Didn't get to rub it in his face. He left the group. 2020 now the Red Sox are in full rebuild. So 2021, core coming back is great. It's better than what they had probably. I don't really know a lot about Ron Runeke's, uh future, but it, he's not. Don't expect this team to just magically like hit all the right buttons. They don't have the same buttons anymore.
0: I, I gotta see who this guy is.
1: Oh, I uh, <laughs> I'll send it to you in the chat. You'll you'll remember. The from this. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the Blue Jays.
0: Oh, fuck that dude. I yeah,
1: that. exactly. <laughs> so no, the, I'm
0: just saying, damn, damn, you're right. He's not around to rub this shit in his face. No,
1: but I was oh. 100% on that. Blue Jays, George Springer, it's a good deal for them. Kirby Yates, another good deal for them. They also signed Tyler Chatwood, who I think is going to be Yankee fodder when they play each other, but he, he fills out a rotation spot. They also extend their for team president, Mark Shapiro, for five years. Well-deserved, I think. I mean, the Blue Jays' rebuild is going really well. I just pumped the brakes at the point of they're going to replace the Yankees or Rays as division winners. I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, And this is another example of a team like the White Sox, where if you look at how they were finishing the season, Blue Jays are probably more like a 75-78 to win team last year, dressed up as a playoff team because of the expanded playoff.
0: Do the Blue Jays have a home? No. They, they're still not playing in Toronto, the right? They're, they're in having...
1: Buffalo, as far as I know, but possibly in Dundedin, where they have spring training in Florida. Okay. Um, yeah. So the Jays, to me, this is, again, it's hard with the pandemic because you have different expectations. But to me, they were like a maybe 78-win team. Now they're like an 87-win team. I think they're going to probably finish third and give a run for their money for second. Whether seconds the Yankees are Rays, we'll have that debate as we head into spring training here. But let's get to the Yankees, and and we'll make their pitch for them here. Yankees have been the busiest team in baseball the last two weeks, and with good reason, because they've been one of the quietest before that. Um, Here's here's everything they've done, and we'll talk about the moves in general. They trade a four-player package to the Pirates. So the Pirates have gotten like eight prospects in the last two weeks uh, for James Tallian. Rowan C. Contreras and Miguel Yajor are the headliners, in my mind, of those two pitchers who are uh, very young. Yajor, though, major league ready. Contreras hasn't pitched in double A yet. Um, Italian, two and a half million. So very cheap. He signed through next year as well. So that kind of coincides with the Yankees World Series window here, which is definitely through 2022, possibly longer, depending on how Cashman handles next winter. You have... Uh, Extended DJ Lemayhu. That happened right after our last show. Six years, ninety million. That's an AAV move. He will, of course, be like thirty-eight by the time the contract ends. But it's only fifteen a year, which is only three more than what he was making before that contract. They signed Corey Kluber to a one-year, eleven million do, uh, dollar deal. They trade trade Frank Herman and eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the Red Sox with Adam Ottavino for. Uh, a player to be named later or cash. I don't really know what that means. Um, but basically they cleared about eight million in 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 um payroll, which what is they really did lively. was
0: they, they sold the Red Sox a prospect.
1: Yeah, basically. Babe Ruth he is not, although he isn't the Babe Ruth.
0: Eat this salary. Here's a really decent prospect, and just get this guy away.
1: Yeah, you. uh Frank Herman, for those who don't know, probably about twenty. 4th ish on the yankee prospect list so he's not a non-prospect but he's also not by any means elite rob what do you have to say
0: well i think that cash um part of the deal might end up going towards guardy
1: well so yeah so they cleared the eight million which we'll get to in a second um what i mean is that instead of a player to be named later they may also get cash back but they also sent eight hundred and fifty thousand the red sox maybe they'll get that back i have no idea a Red Sox fan, friend of mine, pointed out maybe Frank Herman is the player to be named later. And in reality, you just traded <laughs> Adam know for cash, which honestly, that's not unprecedented in Major League Baseball. So it, it could happen.
0: It was just that's all it was. Is here, take him, take another prospect. I don't care who you give us, just give us somebody or this guy back. I, you know,
1: yeah, uh, and Asher Wojciechowski <laughs> And that name, white or Latino, we're not getting that right. <laughs>
0: Wojcikowski, um, I got it, baby.
1: Chikowski, Chikowski. He uh, he was signed to a minor league deal. Uh, Orioles pitcher. Not uh, Homer alert here, but I actually don't hate him. <laughs> I thought he. I have him in. Dy- I had him for a second in dynasty, which is the only reason I even know who he is. I don't think he's terrible, and I think coming anyone coming from the Orioles, I automatically assume is a little bit better than they pitched.
0: I think only AL East fans know this guy. Um, yeah, he's what he is. He's a depth guy.
1: He is, I would say, 11th on the Yankees starting pitcher depth chart, which brings us to a wider conversation about the Yankees with all these moves. And that is that, first of all, let's hit on the Pirates a little bit. If you read the tweets (laughs) leading into this Italian deal, which our friend Jason Matkovich, who like lost his mind when I sent these tweets, as well as all Pirates fans. Before this deal got done, guys like Clint Frazier, Louise Gill, Clark Schmidt, um... Wells, I can't remember his first name for some reason. Austin. Yeah, thank you. Austin Wells. It's not Vernon. Uh, Austin Wells, Anthony Siegler, Miguel Andujar. Literally all of those people I just named were mentioned in deals in this deal that was going to get Talion. And in addition to that, the concept here was that Talion's making like no money, even for the Pirates. Two and a half million, like I said, and he's cost controlled for next year. So Ben Charrington allegedly wasn't going to make a move unless he got just overwhelmed with an offer. Well, then what happened was some for some reason it goes from those guys, which now they've passed up on Fraser and Andrew Hart twice, um to they want only teenagers, which is so weird to me because like you know, I can understand okay, you don't want Clint Fraser because he's already got some years under his belt and Andrew Hart for the same reason, but they passed up on a guy like Clark Schmidt, who's like a top Yankee prospect. Se- is- uh, Wells is in the top, is their fifth. And Siegler is in their top 10. And they do it for guys like Contreras, who's like 19, just because he's a teenager. And you yeah, was a guy, who I like. Yeah. I See, I, I'm okay with
0: Jadure. I like Kanan Smith a lot. My problem yeah. with Kanan Smith definitely. The the Yankees problem with Kanan Smith is that's the kind of guy we constantly develop. Good hitting outfielder, can't play defense for shit. Right. So I get including him, even though including him is probably an overpay, but the Pirates did okay on this deal.
1: Yeah, they did. Uh,
0: has a shitload of questions on him. It's not like you're getting the 2018 version of him.
1: Correct. They were never going to get a blockbuster package for him. He has too many warts. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. We have no idea he's he battled cancer, which you know that shouldn't count against him, but it's worth mentioning.
0: I think Um, they did better in this deal than they did in the Musgrove deal.
1: I agree with that too. The only thing I find funny is that the Pirates might be the only organization who publicly say we want quantity over quality (laughs) they were like we don't want your best prospect we want four of your good to okay prospects
0: pirates are the only people saying we want the teens give me the teens."
1: yeah so i guess they're going with that i mean they they have i think they got nine prospects in the last two weeks that farm system should be pretty good but they have nothing at the major league level now um except maybe brian reynolds so anyway back to the yankees Yankees now are going with kind of an AL version of what the Padres are going with, although on a much <laughs> inferior scale. Yes. They're, they're, they're going with the, we're going to throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks approach with their rotation. That's
0: literally the analogy I had in my head.
1: Yeah. Now, two weeks ago, if you looked at this, you would say, you know what, if Corey Kluber is your number two starter, there's a lot of problems here, which would be true. Uh, But now I kind of look at this and the following guys are guys who can pitch for the Yankees in 2021. And this isn't just like if they develop or whatever. These are guys who actually are major league ready to pitch in a major league rotation. You have Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery. Those are your two healthy guys, should be able to pitch, no real problems. Then you get into Davey Garcia, who finished last year. Again, should be healthy, probably on an innings limit. Then you get into the two guys coming back from injury, Luis Severino and Domingo Herman. Um, they have their own question marks. Severino coming off Tommy John. Herman hasn't pitched in like two years. He was terrible in the winter leagues. We have no idea what he is. Ooh. And then you've got um, then you have Tallian and Kluber. Those are the two new additions. Guys who again have question marks. Kluber hasn't pitched in like two years. Tallian hasn't pitched in over a year. Yep. Um, and then you have this Wojciechowski guy.
0: Wojcicki.
1: And, and Chassin, who we signed earlier. So those are two guys who are like basically minor league depth. And then you have, um, Nick Nelson and. Clark Michael King and Clark Schmidt. Those are the three guys from the system who can go anywhere from spot start to Clark Schmidt may break out. He probably needs a little more seasoning. So I just named 12 guys. There are 12 guys who can pitch, who have pitched in the majors and can pitch this year in that rotation. And they have very, very wide array of ceilings and floors. And most of them have high ceilings and very low floors. Um, I think that's just what Cashman's plan is. I'm a little more comforted now than I was because there's twelve options. I mean, you're talking twelve options that should be able to get you through a year, no matter who's on injury limits, inning limits, and whatnot.
0: Well, um,
1: I was not comforted when Corey Kluber was filling out our five-man rotation, and we had like Severino and Vermont. It's Like, oh, hopefully, they'll help out. Yeah,
0: I-, I agree with you. They take they take the approach of let's just get depth, 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 and. There may be four different guys every other week. Who knows? And my problem is you you got to figure out who your guys are when you're going to the playoffs. You can't play that game. And I know the idea is maybe Seve comes back. Personally, I think he should be in the bullpen to fill out that, that uh, bullpen. You can't just have all these guys and say, we're going to get through the season, because they will. This offense will carry us to a lot of fucking wins. Yeah. My problem is... You look at the Padres and you say that rotation is ridiculous. You look at the Mets and you say that rotation is really good. You look at the Dodgers and you say that rotation is really good. You look at the Yankees and you say they have a lot of guys that can get a lot of wins. no idea. Right. There's no no idea. combination of guys. You have Garrett Cole and everyone after him is question mark, question mark, question mark.
1: Here, we could play that game. Here's the upside. Garrett Cole, stud, ace, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Then you have... Corey Kluber, who's a former Cy Young winner, uh, throwing healthy, looking healthy, 25 teams went to his tryout, a few teams, including teams like the Rays, who really know their pitching, were heavily interested in signing him. So he's probably... Here's Here's
0: the problem with Corey Kluber. Let's say Corey Kluber does fantastic. In New York, nobody gives a shit about the regular season. Right. And Corey Kluber will find out fast is that these fans will turn on you in a heartbeat if you suck in the playoff. And Gloria Kruber has sucked.
1: Yeah. While healthy, kind of in
0: prime in the playoffs. The Yankees getting to him a few times, honestly. Just yeah. ask Didi. Just ask Didi. Yeah. Did now, did a couple times against them. Yeah. So he's he's got to pick it up. And he's got to know that no matter what you do the entire season, means absolutely nothing here. This is not Cleveland. These writers, these fans will eat your ass alive if you suck in the playoffs.
1: And I think he has the right demeanor for that. He's not a guy who really is... Flappable. Um, he's pretty. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. He, he's very cerebral, um, but he doesn't have a good playoff resume. Now, look, David Price, Clayton Kershaw, just recently in the last couple of years, they've changed their playoff narratives. Um, it's possible, but Corey Kluber has a lot of question marks, <laughs> and his playoff performance is one of them. But that's a guy who, again, former Cy Young winner, throwing healthy, lots of teams interested. He could be your two sir, Luis Severino coming back from injury if he can pick up where he left off. He could be a big impact. Herman was fantastic before he left for like a year and a half with the suspension. Uh, Jordan Montgomery looked like he was really turning a corner towards the end of that year. I
0: like Monty. I think he yep. compared Monty for, you know, a, a great number of starts.
1: Davey Garcia, you look at his ERA, it doesn't look great, but that was really one start. He Always was, for the most time. part, very good last year. Uh, Clark Schmidt's their biggest pitching prospect. He's just about major league ready. And then you know, even a guy like Nick Nelson, pitch mostly out of the bullpen. That dude is a pretty un, un, underrated prospect. Um, and then you Probably the you know, guy we'll you,
0: talk about the most later on.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, Michael King, another guy. So that's the best case scenario. The Yankees have all, ha, they can slot pretty nicely one through five if these guys can reach near their ceilings. And then Talian who we didn't mention. Guy's a stud. He's changed his arm angle during his rehab to match Lucas Giolito. That was an article earlier this week. Um, And it said that he is already throwing 95. Now, he used to be able to throw like 98, 99 by June. Who knows? He might be doing that. But he seems to be healthy. So these guys are all healthy and throwing well. Um, You can really slot a dangerous one through five if Cole, Kluber, Severino, Talion, Montgomery... Are, are, are going to reach near their ceiling. Now, the other side of that is literally every single guy I listed, except Garrett Cole, has an understandable question mark, including Montgomery, by the way, who probably isn't going to be able to get through a full season.
0: Which makes me wonder what the hell happened in the Tanaka negotiations. Because if you, you put Tanaka in this rotation, it's a lot more stable.
1: It is. He just asked for, t- he's asking 15 to 20 million. Think I about it for that, a second, though.
0: I thought DJ and Tanaka coming back were like slam dunks to me.
1: I knew DJ was, and I assumed if Tanaka was going to come back to the majors, it was going to be the Yankees. Now, think about it, though. Even if it was 15 million, and most sources say it's closer to 20 that Tanaka's asking for, the, in that 15 million, he signed DJ LeMay. Let's like, say, let's move it to 20. 20 million, Cashman has signed DJ Hugh James Tallien. And uh, and if you count the Vino trade, you could fit Kluber in there, too. Yep. So, like, that's all he's done with that money. So that's, that's why Tanaka is not a Yankee right now. He just he, It's not in the price range. Shocked. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm shocked they reset the cap. Neither of us planned for that when we were talking about where players were going in the offseason. I, had, I, had, I knew they were going to go under the top tier. I had no idea that they were going to be cheap and go under the bottom tier. It makes no sense except for the three-year thing, but it makes no sense when you're heading into a CBA negotiation. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, it, long way of saying Cashman did the most with what he was working with, with, which was not very much. I still expect him to bring in like a Trevor Rosenthal of some sort. And unfortunately, like Rob alluded to earlier, we're almost guaranteed Brett Gardner's coming back in a completely nonsensical decision.
0: Yeah, he's going to come back. I don't, I didn't, I thought he should have his swan song retire. Like I said, get a job as a, you know, a spring training coach. But all signs point to him coming back. We need a lefty bat. We don't need an outfielder, but we could use one. I mean, I, I
1: just, in I'd my mind, Talkman not... fits that platoon perfectly fine. You know, there's no reason he's not the fourth outfielder who occasionally plays left.
0: And again, the question, like I've been asking for two years now, where are you going to get Anduhar at bats?
1: Right. And that's the other thing. Uh, I mean, the experiment with Anduhar at first and left field was about four minutes. Yeah. I <laughs> know. I don't know how you can possibly form any sort of conclusion on that that quickly.
0: I equate the way the Yankees are handling Miguel Andujar with the same way they handle Jabba Chamberlain. I think the Yankees have completely botched this kid. They failed him. He's going to ultimately leave this organization. He's going to be the the hitting star that we know he can be.
1: Yeah, I agree. Unless they break burden where he just they've gets hurt,
0: they just botched this kid.
1: Yeah, uh, but between Andujar and Talkman, I just I don't see a single spot where Brett Gardner's relevant. Uh, they're going to pay him more than league minimum. If it's more than three million, there should be an investigation on what he has on Brian Cashman because that is a waste of money in this in this off season. He has um, a reporter. Yankees, by the way, in case you're wondering, at about 198 million now, the cap is 210. They obviously have to stay on that, including in-season deals, which I would leave about five million for. So,
0: really looking, still the tops in baseball right now.
1: Oh yeah, I was
0: payroll in baseball right now.
1: Hang your head on that,
0: and you Uh, still have fans crying that they're cheap.
1: Yeah, the uh, they're at. They probably have to get, they could get to like 205. So if you're getting Gardner at two or 3 million and Rosendahl at four or five, I think they can make that work. Um,
0: I don't think Rosenthal's coming here.
1: It's got it. Or Soria. Any of those reclamation relievers?
0: I think it's going to be Severino.
1: I think in October. So this is the other aspect of that. In October, I almost guarantee at least Hermann and Severino will be in the bullpen uh Yankees are going to finally cross that bridge where they're going to have like two or three of their starters in that bullpen that's why they signed 12 guys the rest of them are in through the rotation and it's going to be mutually beneficial because they're not have to have innings caps anyway
0: it would not surprise me if Severino comes back they start him slow stays in a rotation mm-hmm. does amazing and they say you know what this All kid right. is doing good he's he's progressing don't fuck with it, and he spends the rest of the season in the, in the bullpen. Only for the season.
1: Yeah, August. August. It'll be right around the time Clark Schmidt's ready to, to... –
0: That'll be our big – that'll be Cashman's – his favorite line. We're going to have somebody healthy coming back, and that's our trade.
1: Yeah, right around the deadline, they'll probably move him and I think either Herman or whoever you want to substitute in there. Um, and they're going to go with that because I think Cashman looks at these past seasons, Adam Adovino being a great example – relievers just sometimes aren't there for you in October. Ottavino wasn't there either October he was here. That's a big reason that I think a lot of people wanted him gone. And now you're, you're just going to have to plug some starters in. But the, the biggest thing, and it's not just the rotation, it's the entire team. This is the first official full year of the new training and medical staff. And they can make the biggest difference to this team. Because if the Yankees have Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, And any of those guys for most of the season, all of the season, they're a completely different team. Then in my mind, they are the juggernauts of the AL and they will run through the AL East because the Rays don't have that upside losing two of their three best starters. And the Jays don't have that pitching staff. If the Yankees stay We'll, we'll say it every year. I mean there's no guarantee it's going to happen at all but if they can actually turn a corner as far as their health goes and those guys can stay healthy, that's the biggest difference and it always would be the biggest difference So the
0: play that sentence in 2019 in 2020
1: in mm-hmm. 2021 <laughs> absolutely it's it's still a factor it just there's absolutely no guarantee it's going to happen. Absolutely. And this isn't like saying it for every team because I've seen that sometimes we're like, oh, if any team stays healthy and good. No, the Yankees are cataclysmically different when it comes to injuries. They've had devastating injuries for two years, and it's been out of nowhere to guys in their prime. It's not like these are broken down guys who have injury prone backgrounds. So we'll see. But um, we will be back with you. We're gonna have to really play this by ear for next week because if we have another week like this, we may have to be back next week with more deals. Yeah. But um.
0: So far, two weeks, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, definitely two weeks, possibly next week. We'll see how it goes. Uh, two weeks from now, we will be celebrating football season being over. So that should bring some fans back, which will be nice. And um, yeah, so we'll be back in two crown, weeks crown at least. Crown the Chiefs,
0: giving it back to back.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Chiefs, nah, stop that, Rob. Chiefs are winning a suit. I don't care what Brady magic anyone wants to say. Uh,
0: as long as that man is breathing, Tom Brady
1: now is He's passing to the torch. Passing Mute willingly.
0: that man.
1: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> this is the pass the torch game,
1: yeah. I agree. So, <laughs> you and if you want more information on that, listen to the Audible tomorrow night, 8 p.m. uh, 7 p.m. very eastern time.
0: Take it easy on my boy Josh Smith tomorrow, please. Yep, they're gonna offensive line did him
1: no justice. They're going to kill Josh Allen. Randy Hammond and Matt Bushnell are going to kill Josh Allen on this show. Did I say tomorrow? Josh
0: Smith? Yes. Look at that.
1: 7 p.m. tomorrow. We've got the step back Wednesday, 7 p.m. Um, we'll be back, like I said, definitely two weeks, possibly next week. We'll see how the week goes. And that's it. That was a lot to get through. This has been Dong City. Everyone have a great night.
0: Thank you, guys. Dong City, bitches.